favorite duo back on zoom again what are you saying Andy? good man i'm good I'm, I'm really excited we've got the third episode of our spotlight series um and we're talking about i'm excited for two reasons the first reason is um the spotlight series that we've got today is on one of my all-time favorite artists um we've got an episode on bob marley bob marley the pioneer one of the pioneers of, of reggae music and the other reason i'm excited is because we've got a very special guest We've got, um, she might be my favorite guest we've ever had, you know, but we've got, you know, the not so corporate babe, we've got the lover of Papi Show, the prime minister of Jamaica herself, we've got Kiana in, on Zoom. Hey, Kiana, how's it going? Hey, that's a, that's a serious intro, you know? Um, serious- look, you know this, yeah, I wasn't even joking because the last time when you, you were on, the number of people that missed you were like, oh, get Kiana back, get Kiana back on, she's get this. I was like, bro. This is, this is really encouraging. I've been telling my friends I want to be a DJ. I don't want to put in my musical je ne sais quoi. I don't even know if that like goes together. Because I never studied French, but you know what? He's gonna he's gonna come for me on Zoom. But it's a pleasure to be back on my favorite music pod. I'm not a mom, so you know, but you guys are my personal duo, fave duo, even though I'm not a mom. When I become a mom, then I can really we can widen the scope. We can widen the scope. But yeah, Kiana, how you been? How are you? I'm good. I'm just, you know, living my life. In this, you know, wonderful panny we have going on, just mm-hmm. taking each day as it comes, studenting. Is that even? It's not a word. It's not a word. <laughs> I know it's not a word. I am studying in this wonderful pandemic that is coming to an end. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah! So I'm just prepping myself to live my best life. That's how I'm doing. Like I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. and I'm ready to be free, free like you. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I can't lie. This summer, this summer's looking, you know, people are hey. it's, it's looking big. It's looking big. People, yeah, yeah. their best lives, man. Fingers um, crossed, things don't get shut down again. Bro, there's no way because now, once they put the day out, like, there's no way anybody's gonna go back into lockdown. Like, <laughs> like no one's gonna do it. So <laughs> that was their first mistake. They shouldn't have put a day out, but they did. So, yeah. So, they just yeah. said, that, yeah, June, July, or sometime around well, August. You need the army to get everyone back in if you're going to try and stop them. <laughs> I would just say, you know, just, you know, in true adult form, let's, you know, manage expectations. Because we've had a lot of dates. <laughs> we weren't supposed to be here. That's true. So, yeah. well, you know, I'm not going to reveal my plan if the date. <laughs> I can't reveal my plan. You know, I'm a lawyer. Serious stuff. But if June 21st don't happen... Summer must still occur, even if it's in my, even if it's in my house in my garden. As for me, myself, and I, I'm gonna be living my best life, child. <laughs> oh man! Um, but yeah, so we are talking Bob Marley. Um, so the way I'll do it, I mean, we'll break it down, just go through his um, life and music and like his career, <clears throat> and then um, we'll get into. Some of the discussions about his politics, because Ken has some stuff to say about that. So, but um, to start off, yeah, Bob Marley is a pioneer of reggae music. I did a little bit of research, so let me just you know sprinkle a little bit in. Um, he's a pioneer, excuse me, pioneer of reggae music, uh, Rastafari icon, and a global symbol of Jamaican culture. Um, he was the first artist from Jamaica to achieve international superstardom. Um, and his music gave a voice to kind of the day-to-day struggles of Jamaica, capturing the plight of the countries impoverished and oppressed. Um, and it was often infused with spirituality, 
was preaching peace and love. Um, and he had a lot of kind of revolutionary aspects to his music as well. <clears throat> so his early life, he is the son of, or he was the son of a white Royal Marines captain and a black uh, teenage mother. Uh, he was born Robert Nesta Marley on 6 February in 1945 uh, in Nine Mile, which is a district of the rural St. Anne's Parish in Jamaica. I don't really know Jamaica like that, but this is what I've, I've uh, picked up. Um, and then when he was a teenager, he moved to a government yard in Trenchtown, where he was introduced to his various musical influences, uh, which includes ska, R&B, and rock and roll. Uh, and it was there that he met Neville, Long uh, Neville Livingston, who was later known as Bunny Whaler, and Peter Tosh, um, with whom he would go on to form the vocal group, The Whalers, which was um, kind of the group that was with him through his career. Um, so as The Whalers, um, they, they added two other, sorry, three other singers to their group. They added Beverly Kelso, Junior Braithwaite, and Cherry Smith in 1963, and then they started recording music. Um, and their popularity kind of was cemented in 1965 when they released their debut album, The Wailing Wailers, um, and had the single One Love on there, which I didn't realize One Love was, came out that early. I thought it was a lot later, but I think he re-released it on later albums and stuff. But, um, yeah, and by 1966, um, Kelso, Braithwaite, and Smith, so those are the three he added afterwards, <clears throat> they all left the group. So kind of left the kind of lead vocal duty to, to Bob Marley. Um, and they kind of went forward known as Bob Marley and the Wailers. Uh, and they released uh, internationally acclaimed reggae albums, including Catch a Fire in 1973, uh, which was their island records debut, and they released Burning, which had uh, I Shot the Sheriff, which kind of got international fame because Eric Clapton, who I'm not really sure who he is, but he did a uh, cover of I Shot the Sheriff, which kind of went worldwide and gave Bob Marley a lot more popularity outside of Jamaica. Um, and then in 1974, the band kind of broke up and uh, he kind of went on to release solo material but still using the name Bob Marley and the Wailers. <clears throat> and he enlisted the I-3s, which were the kind of backing vocals. So a lot of his songs you hear kind of uh, a trio of women singing, and the, those are the I-3s. And one of the I-3s was his wife, Rita Marley, who married in 1966. Um, and his 1974 solo breakthrough was uh, Natty Dreads. That was his, the album. Um, and he also released a live album, which was kind of a rendition of all their live songs uh, and included a live rendition of No Women, No Woman, No Cry, which kind of went, uh, went crazy at the time as well. And then um, he had the 1976 follow-up Rastaman Vibration, uh, which proved to be his US breakthrough because <clears throat> by, by 1976, he kind of was uh, an international star in kind of the US uh, and elsewhere. But yeah, like being out here, as I've said before, I spent a lot of time with my dad out here. And my dad was telling me how his music had kind of like touched Ghana at that time as well. So 1976, my dad was what, 14, 15. And um, he was saying at that time, like every kind of young, young Ghanaian guy wanted to be Jamaican in the sense that he's and like even reflected it. He was like, it's kind of embarrassing looking back. Like I'll be walking around saying I and I, and I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, but yeah, so you say like back then it kind of, that, that kind of gives a sense of how viral we've gone because like Ghana at that time, it's not like nowadays where you can kind of plug in, you've got Spotify and all them kind of things. So for his music to go from Jamaica to Ghana to the UK, US, wherever else, it's like kind of shows how big he got as, a, as an artist at the time. But yeah. Um, and in 1976, so basically part of the reason I wanted to do this episode um, as I said, he's one of my favorite artists of all time. And I watched a Netflix documentary called Who Shot the Sheriff? Um, I watched it two weeks ago. And it, it, it was about basically when uh, Bob Marley survived an assassination attempt and it had a whole host of like conspiracy theories and stuff. And I was like, right, you know what? This guy's life was mad interesting, you know? So I proper, I proper dived into it. And um, yeah, like it was, it was proper eye-opening to see um, a lot of the aspects that I feel of his career, of his music and stuff, which are kind of like not really spoken about, you know what I mean? Like he, he's, um, I feel like he's kind of reduced to just like this 
almost like a hippie figure that just talking about one life and peace and this and that. Um, but he was, he was about much more than that at the time as well. So, um, yeah, you saw the you saw the documentary as well, right? I sent it to you. Yeah, I saw the documentary. I, I mean, I had been meaning to watch that documentary for a while, and I never got around to it. Um, but when you said look into it, I looked at it. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting because I didn't know that much, to be honest, about the history of Jamaica at that time. So to be honest, it was more interesting from that perspective for me than from yeah. specifically Bob Marley. <laughs> but like, it was it was interesting to know like how he fit into that and like um, what he tried to do around that. Mm. No, it was, it was interesting because was, yeah, like you said, the, the stuff about the history of Jamaica, um, I didn't know much about that as well. And it was, it was interesting how his career kind of, like I said earlier, like his music was speaking to kind of the Jamaican youth, the oppressed people and stuff. And it, it, so it kind of makes sense that his career and his uh, messaging was kind of reflected that as well. Um, I don't know if, I mean, we've only got one Jamaican here in our, in our midst, but uh, Kiara, what, what do you think about, I mean, you really kind of hinted at, at what certain people think about, about his, his music and his messaging and stuff. But uh, yeah, what do you think about um, so I also watched a documentary. I found the documentary interesting. Okay. Like, I, yeah. I don't think that's too good for the way you said that. <laughs> it was a good documentary. Like, I, I learned a lot of stuff. Like, I had really informative conversations with my grandparents um, about their experience and growing up in Jamaica. And, you know, and also for the short time that I lived in Jamaica, I would go regularly also seeing that this political back and forth still very much exists now um and hasn't died down just because Bob Marley's come and gone and they made mention of that like you know great concert babe we love the peace the peace is necessary but unfortunately peace doesn't pay the bills yeah um, but when I spoke to my parents and my when I spoke to my grandparents first I spoke to my granddad and I was like to him what do you think about Bob Marley babe like because me and him are cool like that like genuinely he was like you know what Kiana I like him. He's all right. I was like, okay, but he's a man of few words. So, mm-hmm. you know, take that. But he said, I, he appreciated that there wasn't all the cussing and swearing. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, like, this is a good step. And when I spoke to my dad, um, he was very similar in that he appreciates his music now. And so for me, growing up, it's a complete different, complete different experience of really enjoying his music for a completely different reason do you get what i mean like yeah. understand it's like your it's your it's your thing that makes you feel connected to home you're pre you you grow up and your mom's cooking food or you're cleaning the house to this or my dad's working on um like fixing something in the house and we're listening to this so it's an it's an interesting back and forth there's a lot of um mixed opinions about the wonderful Bob Marley. But I think one thing no one can discount is that his music is good. Like, even if you don't agree with him, his politics or whatever, like he does make some bangers. People have been singing these bangers from primary school. Yeah. Around the world sings these bangers. Like even, and when I go on holiday and people ask where I'm from, like, and I'd be like, oh, they pick, you know when you're walking through the market on holiday yeah. and they choose what country you're from, like, oh no, I'm Jamaican. So they're like, Bob Marley, but okay, yeah, we can we can do that. <laughs> go with that. But I think the point you made is right. I do think people reduce his music down to like just this hippie man who smokes weed, gets a bit high, makes some tunes, and the tunes are about peace and love. And I don't think that's a fair description of his music at all. Yeah, yeah, and no, I think I think his music is definitely um, more than that. I think I mean you said you wanted to get. We'll we'll, we'll get into sort of people's misgivings about his politics. And I remember you mentioned as well when I, when I brought up to you, I shouted you to come on and you said um, some of his choices in partners as well. So I think um, we'll, we'll get into that as well. But um, before we do that, I'll, I'll kind of explain more about the, the documentary and about his um, the assassination attempt. But let me play, um, let's get into a tune first actually. Let's play I Shot the Sheriff and then we'll get into that. So here's I Shot the Sheriff. I shot the sheriff, cause I 
that was I shot the sheriff. And yeah, I said I'll get into more about the, the assassination attempt. So in 1976, there was a lot of, kind of political strife in Jamaica uh, between the ruling Social, Social Democratic Party, which is the People's National Party, or the PNP, uh, which was headed by a socialist Michael Manley, uh, and the opposition, which was the conservative Jamaican Labour Party, or the JLP, uh, which was led by Edward Siaga. Um, and in an attempt to kind of ease the political tensions, um, Bob Marley agreed to do uh, a concert for the country. So he said, um, by then, Bob Marley was like one of the biggest artists in Jamaica, he was like the stuff of legend. Um, and he, he'd always tried to stay uh, kind of apolitical because I think I've read somewhere that it was to do with his like Rastafarian faith that they don't take political sides or something like that. But, um, so he was, he always like never endorsed any candidates or anything, but he said, you know, I'll do the concert because it might be a chance to sort of bring some peace to um, kind of the state of the country. Uh, but because the concert was proposed by uh, Michael Manley, who was the president, uh, prime minister at the time, uh, people kind of took it as Bob Marley endorsing Michael Manley as a, as a, um, as a candidate because there was an election coming up. And because of that, there were loads of like kind of people that were against Michael Manley, which then took it as all right, Bob Marley's against us. And so um, basically the two days, I think it was two days before the, the concert, um, armed gunmen came to the house and just fucking like bang off and they shot up the whole place. They, they shot, um, his manager got shot like seven times. His, his wife got shot in the head. Um, and there's rumors that her, her dreadlocks protected her. I, I see these things on Instagram that say like, they say, oh, protect your crown, blah, blah, blah. They say, they use this as an example. They say, this is why you need to look after your I've never seen that. But, but she, did get, she did get shot in the head and she didn't die. I think the bullet got lodged between like her scalp and something else. So she was very lucky. And Bob Marley actually, he actually only was like grazed by the bullet. So he had like a small um, thing in his arm. And so after that, he, he kind of wasn't going to perform or anything. Um, but he decided to still perform. So he performed two days later. And even during the performance, he kind of lifted up his shirt and showed everyone the gunshot wounds and everything. And was like, you know, this is like we need to unite we need to peace and stuff um but it had like a very profound effect on him because like shortly after the concert he left jamaica and he was kind of in almost like a self-imposed exile because um i mean i guess it just wasn't safe for him to say that so he moved to london um after spending a bit of time in america as well and that's where he started sort of going ham with the music in the sense of he was dropping album after album he was, he was um touring excessively he was going around the world and everything so it was at that point where he kind of went from, you know, international star to like almost superstar level. Um, and that was in sort of 1975 uh, onwards. Um, and he wouldn't, he, he kind of didn't really return to Jamaica often after that. But yeah, like hearing about that, that was, was crazy. Like I didn't really know much about the, the kind of situation and stuff. And I mean, still performing after being shot is a bit crazy as well. So. Um, Performance looked live as well. Yeah. The performance looked live from what I saw. Yeah, man. Like one thing about him that I noticed is like his performance style was crazy. Like he, he like you know, you know the ones where you see someone that's part of the, like there's a few people that I really wish I could have seen them perform. I hear yeah. Jackson, people like that. Like I'm just like just just to kind of experience it because it looked it looked crazy. You, know? was, you, you want to know a funny a funny story? So like, um, I've been to uh, Bob Marley's house when I was young. It's like. You can go there, you can tour it, I think, in Jamaica. Again, you've been to um, So, like, I went to his house where the shooting occurred. Oh, okay, okay. Because it's, 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 I think it's, like, public in uh, Jamaica now. Like, you can go there. Mm. Um, so, like, I went there. But I, when I went there, I was, like, six. Okay. Um, so, obviously, I didn't know the context at the time. I thought he died in the shooting. So, I was like, okay. rah, I'm going to see, like, with the bullets that like pierced my man were lodged in the wall. I was like, this is, this is crazy. And obviously like later on, I'm like, oh, oh no, I just grazed his arm, you know? And now the experience feels like a lot less like <laughs> memorable than it did at the time. <laughs> but obviously, thank goodness he didn't die. But like for my childhood experience, yeah, it was like, um, <laughs> That made it a lot more powerful when I was thinking that oh this like he he died in the shooting. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, to be honest, when I when I watched the documentary, I like all this time I thought he died in it as well. So when I watched it, and they were like, "Oh no, it just grazed his arm." I was like, "What? They made a whole documentary about this dude just grazing man's arm?" <laughs> I mean, there's still a good do- documentary though, so I'm not even too much. Nah, you're right. I've, do you know what? My story of the shooting, I knew he didn't die. That, because I, I heard he, when I was younger, I heard he had cancer in his big toe. Mm. I also heard that, that's you know. True. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's I heard he had gangrene. I don't know if that was like. No, it's true. That, it's it's a, true. Like his toe and green. That's what I heard. But anyway. It's under his toenail. And he just didn't treat. I mean, I, I was going to get into it. Okay, we don't have to go there, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, knew, I knew he was alive, yeah. but I thought he got shot, shot. You know how 50 Cent also got shot? Everyone's yeah. I thought he, like, caught some bullets. I don't think it was just like, Shh. So yeah. if anyone deserves the, like, the... It's Rita. Rita, Rita got a headshot, you know? Rita and his manager. Yeah, shout out to the manager. Shout out to Don. I think it was his name, holding it down. Yeah, Took all really the his back. And Bob was just there doing side profile. <laughs> but Rita held it down. Headshot for her man. Do you understand? No one don't want to talk about Rita's headshot. And Rita's still alive to tell the tale. Where was Rita in the documentary? I think she had like one interview, like one line or something. She, she, was wasn't, she wasn't very present. Was she in it? Well, they showed a picture or something though. Like, they showed a picture, but I don't remember. I know she appeared briefly in the documentary. But you know, because since he died, there've been loads of like legal stuff about his estate and everything. So she might not just. Not she might. He also okay. We're not gonna get into that right now, but I understand if Rhea said no. Rhea uh, lives in Ghana. Let's get into She lives in Ghana. Yeah. So yeah, let me try. Let me try. Ghana school, you know. I might. I might. <laughs> this guy actually gonna try to get a one-on-one interview. <laughs> Part two of the documentary. Um, the pod um, label. Yeah. But um, now, Kiana, what were you, what were you gonna say when you said we're not getting into it? Because, I mean. So obviously the sad thing about any icon and any hero, right, is mm. that they are human, mm. human. Mm. So one of my favorite Bob Marley songs, yeah, is Waiting in Vain. Yeah. That's, do you see that song? Bang yeah. on. Yeah, I, will, I will sing that with my entire chest, my <laughs> diaphragm, every part of me. But then, then I found out today that Bob Marley wrote this for Cindy. And I just, you know, in the documentary, they're saying Bob Marley's girlfriend. How does one have a girlfriend and a wife at the same time? Let's, let's, let's think about this. And, you know, I'm not here to judge. I don't agree. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to draw anybody out. You know, everyone falls short. But you cannot have a wife and a girlfriend at the same time. That's true. You cannot. You either have a wife or you have a girlfriend. And if you have both, then you're doing something a bit a bit is even an understatement. It is something very shady. I was really sad that apparently he wrote the song for her and he had Rita doing BV on the tune. That's, guys, <laughs> that's harsh. That's, do you think I'm going to sing a song that my man has written for his mistress and I'm going to hit them notes? No, I'm going to deliver you sing off key. You will not, you will not get no royalties on this song. This song ain't going out nowhere. No release date. So you either release me from this marriage or you release your girlfriend. What is going on? Make sure that Jenna ain't doing uh, backing vocals on this song singing a uh, single again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was City Boy Anthem last summer. <laughs> Maybe we should make a, a, a an all-time list of City Boy songs now. <laughs> I think you should. My heart, guys, my heart was broken, you know. I read that. It could be it could be a lie, but I don't think it's a lie. I read all the blogs. Wait, but did, he, did, they, did they know about each other? He, no, she yeah. Definitely, he definitely knew about it. He had so many kids with other women. How can he not know? How could she not know? Well, maybe she was okay with the situation. Mm, you know, maybe yeah, I don't know. Some people live their life. We can't confirm it, but you know the ones where you're like forced to be okay with the situation that you're not really okay with, just to like say that could also have been the case. That I feel like that's more likely, but we don't know. We can't. You know, she might. She might have been doing her thing as well. She could have been. She could have. We don't know. That's a valid, nuanced opinion. She There's could a have. Lot of unknowns. There's a lot of no unknowns. one knows. But what we do know is that Cindy was Bob Marley's girlfriend. They even had a picture together. So th- this wasn't an affair. If you got a whole picture together that's on Google right now, and you're all hugging up multiple pictures, you guys are brazen with your, <laughs> with your puppy show. Brazen. That is funny. That's just my only, you know, 
it's just he you know he did a lot for peace but i think it's also important to have peace in your home and not to, <laughs> not to be, you know what i mean but like you said if Rhea was okay with it it's not my marriage it's not my marriage i'm not gonna judge i mean she she's written she's, has she written books since or she's like she's done because what well, after we passed that like, she did have like a small um recording career herself um i don't know how successful she was i haven't actually listened to any of her music but i think like she's definitely said that you know it wasn't all smooth sailing with the guy. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, um, she wasn't, she wasn't just like completely comfortable with what was going on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, like we said, his, he had um, some very questionable life choices, shall we say. But um, yeah. you know, yeah. we need to talk about the music in it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast for relationships. But, this is what music. Yeah. Where, where were we at? Oh yeah, we, so he he kind of exiled himself. He was in London, he was making music and stuff. He did return to Jamaica in 1978 for the One Love Peace concert, which was kind of a repetition of the previous concert, I guess. I've, I don't know if 1978, there was another election, just the fact that tensions had risen up again, but he came through to sort of ease tensions. Uh, and this one, I mean, he, he didn't get shot before, so you know, it's, uh, it's better. <laughs> and um, he, 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 he got the two political uh, opponents, so it was uh, Michael Mandy and Edward Siaka, and he got them on stage and like, got them to hold hands, um, and he was like singing Unite and stuff. Um, they looked so awkward in the situation, like they looked like they, they really didn't want to be there, but um, I guess it's still like symbolic, you know, to have the two, the two um, I guess political enemies, you know, holding hands and the unite and stuff. It didn't actually have an effect on the violence in the country. The violence was still bad before and after. Um, but I guess, I guess for that day, there was, there was peace. Um, and yeah, when he was in London, he, he, he worked kind of relentlessly. He made uh, Exodus, he made Kaya, he made Survival, he made Uprising. He was just making tune after tune after tune, making albums, he was touring everywhere. Uh, he had a massive fan base in America. Um, because he kind of, like we mentioned how his, his kind of legacy was almost reduced to this sort of hippie, weed-smoking, peace-and-love kind of guy. But that really resonated with the hippie, weed-smoking people in America. So, so he had a massive fan base out there. Um, and he, in, so this, was, this took him through to 1980, I think it was, when he released um, Uprising. Um, and he had set kind of a world tour. 1981 so 1981 was meant to be his big like his going everywhere kind of thing um but tragedy struck because uh like you mentioned earlier so in 1977 he was diagnosed with uh cancer in his big toe uh there's rumors about what happened because some people say that it was a football match because he played a lot of football some people say it was a football match and his toe got smashed and it wouldn't heal and when they checked it's because he had something going on and then they diagnosed him with cancer. Others say that they just discovered the cancer under his big toe. Um, but yeah, he had a, a specific type of skin cancer. And so they, you know, advised him to amputate his toe. But he, for whatever reason, people say it was because of his Rastafarianism. People say it's because of um, loads of different reasons. There's some people that say that it was because, I think Rita said this herself, that he thought that people wouldn't want to see him perform if he couldn't sort of jump around and everything. Um, so he was proper committed to the, the whole performance aspect of his um, career. So he decided to do sort of skin grafts and stuff, but it didn't really work out for him. Um, and by 19, was it 1981, uh, this was in, he was in America, he was in New York Central Park in 1980, sorry, late 1980. And he went out for a jog and he collapsed. And they discovered that the cancer had spread to basically spread everywhere. It spread to his brain, his lungs, his liver. Um, so it, was, it spread everywhere. So it, which means he, he kind of, I think it kind of puts a kind of poignant twist on, on his music as well, because it means when he was recording everything for those last three, four years, like he knew that he was dying as well. So it might even kind of give an idea of why he was making music at such a pace, because it's like, he was almost thinking, yeah, listen, I, I've got this gift, I need to some kind of, some kind of recording, give it to the world almost. Or maybe thought that this is the reason he's been put on earth was to make this music and stuff or whatever, but it's just like, it's a bit crazy to sort of know that you're dying and still just be in the studio, be touring, doing everything like that. 
Um, but yeah, so by, by 1980, late 1980, he, he, um, they found out that it had spread. Uh, and then, so he, he lived another eight months, which was longer than they gave him, because they gave him like six weeks or something like that. Um, so he lived another eight months, and in that time, he sort of recorded a bit more music and just sort of, um, I don't know, I mean, his, his body kind of deteriorated and stuff. Um, so he died on 11th May 1981. Um, from the cancer spreading everywhere, um, and he died age 36, which is another thing that's crazy because it's, it's um, he's kind of made timeless music, like you said, like everybody listens to his music and everything. And it's um, he was so young when he did it all as well, which is which is um, very interesting. So, but yeah, so so you know we can like, kind of get into his legacy as well because we've, we've mentioned how his um, his music is timeless and everybody listens to it and like all corners of the globe and stuff. So, um, yeah, Kiana, you, you mentioned about um, what people think about his, his legacy and his politics and stuff like that. So do you want to kind of jump into that? Yeah, um, I was really, I was thinking about this this afternoon. I feel like <clears throat> one thing I really respect about Bob Marley, and I think a lot of people also probably should respect if they don't in my humble opinion is I think he definitely was an artist who emptied himself whilst he was here on earth like he produced music that was edifying he produced music that was poignant and spoke to the issues that were going on then even if he had a commercial sway to it and he was making music for the states or for Europe or whoever at its core the messaging still remains the same and I was wondering whether we have any artists that do that because I kind of feel like the modern day artists sit on either side of the pendulum. It's like either I'm gonna make music that's deep and it may not sell, but I don't care, or I'm just gonna pretend that politically nothing's happening, or they join the, the I mean, I said two, but there's a third, like they're not for anybody. <laughs> and I think with Bob Marley, I think his legacy speaks in that, you know, he, everyone, knows his music I, I think or even if I use the term everyone it might be might seem a bit broad I feel like the vast majority of people know who he is mm. even if you no know, minus the Spotify minus the Instagram minus the connectivity we have now I can speak to my friends grandparents who are not Jamaican not Caribbean period and they can know of him and know who he is even if they don't agree with the perception the world has created of him um, or maybe I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't go as far as to say the perception the world has created of him, but like a very small aspect yeah. of what he did, yeah. they still know his name. Like his name actually rings bells. Um and his music is good. I told yeah. you. My granddad said it's all right, and that's a that is a compliment. <laughs> that's that a compliment. My granddad said, no, it's all right. Um and, and he's influenced so many artists now. I think when it comes to a Jamaica side of thing, I don't personally, I can't go as far as saying certain reggae artists are categorically influenced by Bob Marley, because I think also, as was said in terms of being um, a Rasta and just how Jamaica music and reggae is infused within Jamaica, I feel like, I will, particularly when I spoke to my dad as well, there are so many artists doing the same thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be able to speak and say, okay, like his legacy has changed every single artist in Jamaica and they all make music and not every but like this yeah. specific genre because of him I would rather say that he was able to share with the world a very beautiful part of Jamaica to make beautiful music and comment on things when things aren't going too well yeah. when of your country and politically it's not going too great and to still be true to yourself and that's why that's why even if I don't like some of the other stuff but Marley did I like this choice yeah. like this choice of being you know authentic and consistent and actually caring about music beyond just the money it brings in but like the impact it has on the people and the impact mm -hmm. on the listeners and even if he didn't want to even though he didn't go back to Jamaica in the same way and in documentary they were saying he missed it so much that you still knew he was a Jamaican man mm -hmm. even in London in this UK or in the States he was still a Jamaican man and um I think you can't knock that Mm -hmm. A lot more artists should take a leaf out of Bob Marley's book, respectfully. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's definitely true that a lot of artists don't really stand for anything now. And at least uh, whatever you say about his politics and his legacy or whatever, like at least he stood for something and let that come through in the music. Um, 
and I think it's safe to say, I know you're, you're a very harsh critic of when, um, hold on, no, let me let, when, when, um, when I, I kind of call people a legend and you say I'd be throwing out the term, but I think in this case, we can actually say that he is a legend. And, and, and um, yeah, so, so um, in kind of reflecting on his legacy, um, he, well, he, like you said, he, his, his music was what kind of took reggae worldwide. Um, and so even if, you know, other reggae artists haven't been directly influenced by him, like even if there's a debate about whether that's the case, um, it's very true that, that um, his other artists wouldn't be able to have seen the success that they have without Bob Marley kind of making waves uh, internationally. Um, so yeah, his, his and like, that's kind of reflected in the fact that his legend album, which was the, his greatest hits album that they made after he died, uh, in 1984 is the best selling reggae album of all time um by, by a long way as well um and yeah he's also got um 11 children including uh notable musicians ziggy marley and damien marley uh and he's also i think skip marley is his grand grandson which i think is crazy as well so, so he's um he's left a lot of like even if they, their music doesn't sound like him like there's definitely an influence there because to have what three of your descendants be you know big big top selling artists worldwide as well um it's something too um and yeah so so he, he's kind of left a lasting legacy um and i think one thing as well through his music um which people <coughs> kind of skip over so his conversion to rastafarianism uh which was in the late 1960s uh kind of informed a lot of his music and his politics and stuff and through that he, he often criticized um, the West and it's kind of political and economic and class system. Um, and there's loads of songs where he refers to it as Babylon. And he, he um, kind of infused all his music with anti-imperialist uh, pan-African themes as well, which, um, yeah, I mean, I was like I said, I was speaking to my dad about this because um, a lot of the time, the reason I, I was speaking to my dad a lot about Bob Marley is because my dad, like you said, my dad doesn't really like music or swearing and that. So uh, when I'm driving with him, I can't really play what I, what I like to play. The other day I was playing uh, Young Fox in your album, Slam Language 2. Um, and he was sitting there and I was like, well, you're not feeling it. And he said, it's just so dull and monotonous. And <laughs> so yeah, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, he's a harsh critic as well. But but when we, we listen to Bob, Bob Marley when I'm driving out here and he, um, he was talking about how a lot of the, the music resonated with young Africans because a lot of it was talking about Pan-Africanism, about anti-imperialism and stuff, which obviously in the 70s was, um, well in the 60s and 70s was, was big in Africa because a lot of countries were gaining independence at that time. So um, yeah, like I, feel, I feel like that is kind of skipped over as well. People don't, people don't, uh, I mean, I feel like the people that listen to Bob Marley and know Bob Marley listen to his lyrics, associate him with it, but a lot of other people kind of um, skip over that. And to be honest, me, myself, like, I've listened to Bob Marley my whole life, but it's only recently that I've actually listened to the lyrics and gone, oh, shit, you know, this guy was really, he's talking about some real stuff, yeah, so. Um, but yeah, no, no he's, a, he's definitely a legend. And um, yeah, what, what um, you know, you, you had the point about, sort of you know you were saying how your, your granddad doesn't really like he thinks he's good but he like he, did, he left it there you said that you also spoke to someone else about Bob Marley what, what was the verdict there so my dad is also in the yeah he's all right okay um pretty cool conversation my dad is like my my music go-to. My dad is also also still trying to be young. He listens to young podcasts. Okay. So you guys are on his radar. I'm like, what are you doing? Really? You know what? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. Listen, if the big man still wants to see what the young people are doing, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. But he's basically said to me that when he was growing up, um, he didn't see Bob Marley as that deep. Like, he was just another artist. It wasn't his go-to. He would listen to people like Gregory, Isaac. Who else did he say that? Like, he basically reeled off a list of other artists. Um, he even said there was another group, the Wailing Souls, okay. that he said he preferred. <laughs> I said, <"Dad." laughs> I like, Do you? But he said to me, you know what, Kiana? 
I, I don't know if I said this, but basically my dad was like, he's just another guy. Like he would see Bob Marley in Battersea Park and be like, cool. So I guess when you couple that all together, you think, okay, this guy is just another Jamaican making cool music. Um, he's not my go-to. He makes music that feels more commercial, but I respect him. It's kind of like that black man nod thing that you asked yeah, 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 yeah. But he said that now as a, well, he was an adult then, but like, being an older man and reflect on everything, he can't knock him and he respects his music even more and he appreciates his music even more. And I think what you said about understanding the political, you know, undertones. In fact, they were quite overt to be fair, but like mm -hmm. if you understand the context, it becomes a lot deeper because the sad reality is like nothing has changed. And he made, Bob Marley made some risque statements. He said, every government is illegal. Yeah. And that time, uh, you know, like you could, you could get gone. <laughs> gone. I mean, they tried to. They tried to. So. They tried. Then they brought the man back to the house. That's it. Actually, you know, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to spoil that. I don't want to spoil the documentary. If anyone wants to go watch the doc, so yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't feel like it's spoiling because for me, uh, if it's something that's actually happened and you could just look it up, it's not. It's not spoiling. But I remember my brother said that I spoiled the Fred Hampton document. You know, the not the documentary, the movie, the one with. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, the one that just came out. Like, Bro, this is factual information. You study history, like you should know this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that movie. Was it good? I didn't even watch the whole thing. I just watched a bit, and then I mentioned that, oh, you know, what happened to Fred, and then my brother's like, oh, spoilers. I'm like, Bro, this is factual information. Like, I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah, but you, but you, uh, Kelly, you mentioned like um, that you grew up listening to the music. So you're saying like over time. Mm -hmm. The older generation have be begun to like appreciate Bob Marley more. Is that what you're saying? Then maybe they did at the time he was originally making music. Yeah, I feel like obviously there's a lot of context to this, right? Because <clears throat> the the people that I will speak to are also first generation. Okay. First gen in the UK, apart from my granddad and the big people. Mm -hmm. Those are OG Jamaicans, but like my dad, his friends, all of them are, they're born here um, and raised here. And I think there is an appreciation for his music in that um, you, you, you feel like he understands the fight on both, both, mm -hmm. both um, places in the world. He understands what's going on politically in Jamaica but he makes a comment overall. And I think his music also speaks to the move of Pan-Africanism in general that exists. So I think that's also why there's a greater appreciation. Mm -hmm. I can only speak for my dad. I, I mean, he'll allow me to speak for him, I think at this point, but in that this necessity to be unified, this necessity to have independence from the powers that be. And so you appreciate his music as an adult, having lived life and understanding what is going on and deep in that like, he's not just scatting and jumping around and having a vibe. Like this is a lot deeper. And that's what my dad says, like a lot of the tunes that he'll play or like even my mom, both my dad and my, like my house plays a lot of music basically. So now it's the battle. We, we kind of have like a it's, a, it's a real battle in the house for that Alexa boy because everyone wants to be But um, it's one of those things where my dad and my mom will say like, we used to listen to this as as when we were your age and it was just a tune. But now we've lived life and we look back on when this tune was made and what we've gone through and we understand what they were saying. And also the age mm. that I didn't have access in my, my research, my sample size of people who were like grown grown when Bob Marley was around, mm. like at his prime. Yeah. The people that I had were like, late teens early 20s that makes the play into that yeah that's fair that's fair because i was gonna say the the like a similar thing like um i'm not jamaican but i grew up with a whole heap of jamaicans around like um there's a whole part of my family that has a lot of ties to jamaica so like bob marley was a big thing like bob marley was playing all the time i, I mean other artists were playing as well but bob marley was was huge but when i think about that like most of those um jamaicans were born in the uk so it's not like it's not mainly like people from jamaica and the people that i know from jamaica who like grew up there who lived there 
like I think it's more like like he says like yeah he's he's all right like he's he's good I don't I don't think there's the same like reverence so but do you, do you know Jamaicans that were so because I'm thinking your granddad was probably 40 or 50 or something well, I, I don't know I'm trying to guess based on if your dad is like late my late. granddad would have been like 30 okay I mean, I'm, I'm this is this is some on the spot mental math yeah that's I'm what I'm not trying to do on the spot <laughs> But my granddad, what he did say, I think I can't. I don't want to speak for all, all Jamaicans, but when I talk to my friends whose parents are also Jamaican born and raised, so yeah, yeah, they, they my friends that would be first gen now. Yeah. I think the commentary is on his music is good, and his music was poignant for the time. And as a young person, this was a big deal. Yeah. But the reality, like after you've listened to your three minutes, or you've gone to the concert, and you've held a vibe. The reality, unfortunately, is still the same. So it all, I think it all depends on how you view him musically. Like if you view him as a activist, then it's a it's a big deal. But also there's another layer to it when you think about like being a Rasta. And even though in the UK or like in the world, kind of, there is this perception that everyone in Jamaica is a Rasta. Rastafarianism is so well supported and we just love it. It's not true. No, yeah. so there's also a layer to that too, like, the being a minority group or being like cast out and being seen as xyz or whatever and seeing someone who represents your community authentically thriving and still staying true and wearing his dreads how he wants doing what he wants like that also plays a big role into the people that i know who are like born and raised in jamaica and respect him even more but like i can say this though most jamaicans like him yeah. Like, even if he's all right, <laughs> he's still liked. He's still like they still respect him and what he's done for the culture and what he's done for the country and the island. But I think there is, there are there are layers to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get like, Those are nice, but yeah. Now the reason I was I was um, trying to guess your granddad's age when listening to Bob Marley is just because because um, obviously if he's older, like you you kind of the artists you hold closest to you are the ones that like when you were sort of teenager, early twenties kind of thing. Rather than when you're like 30, 40 people. Like, I can't imagine in 10 years' time an artist going to pop up that I'm going to like as much as I like certain artists that I like now. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, um, you're basically, your granddad might just think he's all right because he's, his generation's music is like, this is a different kind of people. Um, My granddad would have been like late 20s. I've done the maths. Okay, okay. I've done, I've late, mid, mid to late 20s. Okay. I don't know how you feel about artists that you like, mid to late 20s. I'm actually, yeah, I'm not open to that. I'm not to say I'm not there yet, but. Yeah, but think about it in 10 years. Yeah. Then you can say, like, oh, wait, did these artists really like yeah. hit me like that, or did they not? Probably too soon right now. Because well, the thing is, as well, what, what I was thinking about when you were saying how, like, on reflection, a lot of, you know, our parents Jen, said, oh, you know, he was actually really good, even though at the time I thought he was all right. Um, it's kind of like how me now when I look back at like that summer of 2016, because I feel like we haven't had music like that since then. <laughs> so then sometimes I look back and I'm like, man, I didn't know how good we had it then. Like, <laughs> I'll be listening, I'm like, this is real music, but you know what I mean? So, 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 so it might just be that way, like that they've seen all the years that have gone by and like, you know, we did, I had it, I didn't know how good I had it at the time. And now I'm like, so yeah, that's true. That might be it as well. That's, that's true. That summer was elite. Damn. This summer better match that. Real rap. That's, that's, that's the hope. That's the, I'm hoping all the artists have got all their music in the talking as soon as it's June 21st. I'll, I'll, I'll play. You've been, you've been in a pandemic. You ain't going nowhere. You've got a studio. And if you not you can order one of Amazon. Like, what's your excuse, homie? <laughs> better make them tunes. You see Drake talking about he's, he sprained his ACL or he tore his ACL. And that's why he has a... As well, if, that, that guy, I don't know. I don't know how he thought you could swing that excuse. Bro, coming yeah, yeah, yeah. in January, because you know? the thing is, nobody forced you to release and say it's coming in January. You could have just been silent, like everybody else's. But you are oh, listen. I got you guys. January, New Year, we got through 2020. I'm gonna give you some music. Then he comes and puts on his Instagram story. Oh, you know, I sprained my ACL. Bro. As if the ACL has anything to do with us listening to your music. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. And don't get me started on Kendrick because the guy's a punk. <laughs> Where is he? No, nah, listen. I, I had a long chat with my brother because obviously 
anybody that knows us knows that we're Kendrick through and through. And we're, we're hurting right now. Like I, I was talking to him, I said, bro, I don't know. You know, I said to him, I was like, bro, I've been so desperate for some music. I almost listened to that AJ Tracy album and it's 2021 right now. And I was like, cause he was like, where is Kendrick? I was like, man, you know what? The guy's a punk. Like, he's left us in our time of need. Let me, let me you know, the, the artists, you know, they're, they're also humans live their life. So. No, don't lose hope. I think the thing we can learn, yeah, is that, hey, we need to lower these expectations we have with these people because they always yeah. ask that. But two, it means, you know how Kendrick is not just an artist, right? He's he's a storyteller. Like, when you listen to Kendrick's album, you can't listen to it on shuffle. You've got to go, go through the story. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that, like, we've got a story, that like, there's a new character, Keisha's gone, like, every everyone's, like, it's going to be a build, do you know what I mean? Like, he's going to take us through, like, do, do you understand what I'm hoping for? This, I, did, I did say lower the expectations to only have like a whole <laughs> But I'm hoping for a genuine story. And I feel like the album should be minimum. Okay, I'm just going to, I mean, I don't think it's going to sound that well, but I don't care. I feel like it should be minimum 18 tracks because, no, no, no. Do you know why? Because you've been out for a while. So obviously you need to double. I need it doubled. So I want to eat all the little bits in between or <laughs> like, give that to me. Do you get, I need nine. I need transition, I need some voices. It's almost like Montel Fish is my like um other he's not really he's a lo-fi babe, but he does yeah. that in his album too. I need the story. Yeah. If Kendrick don't give us the story, then Kendrick should tap out. Okay. <laughs> I should just tap out, say like yeah, I'm gonna really, like, I gave you, I gave you, I made my money, I'm retired though. That's not me. fair. It's not finished. Honestly. <laughs> you know, because I was when I was doing my thing and I saw Bob Marley had 16 albums in like maybe 18 years where he was actually active as an artist and then he died. I was like, bro, this guy's like putting out, and this is at a time when it's not streaming, it's not easy to put out. Like, you have to. I was like, man, we've been robbed, you know, because these artists they put an album out every once in a while, they kind of leave us. It's oh, listen, man, I need to work, I need to create, bro. Look at this guy making timeless music. <laughs> like, Anyway, some anyway. of these artists need to up their work rate, man. Um, honestly, honestly. Do you know what I think it is? You know, like when you're trying to make it as an artist, yeah, you grind. You'll be putting out mixtapes. I'm saying this as if I'm an artist, yeah, but this is why I assume that you've been putting out a mixtapes. You need to get heard. So you're shooting them out. Then you get a couple of awards, think you made it, and you forget yourself. It's like, you know, when your parents tell you, humble yourself, they ever, they ever get to the top because the fall is great. This is the problem. I think the artist should hire me as their continual music put out coach because I will remind you, you ain't made it yet, homie. You don't let the award in your award cabinet make you feel like you made it because you ain't made it. There's more. We need to record that speech and send it to Chance. I mean, it's recorded now. We'll send it just that clip of the clip of the episode and send it to everybody. Well, one thing, one thing to mention, yeah. The Wailing Souls. I was thinking wherever I heard the name, The Wailing Souls. Yeah. They have like this the lead track on that Cool Runnings movie. Oh really? That the like the intro track. I was thinking because I know that name. I know the name. It's because I really like that song. But, um... I let my dad know that he's got he's got another guy, a guy in his camp that yeah. respects. That I, I need to listen, I need to listen to more of their music now because I don't know anything else than that one song. But I like that song. Now I'm gonna have a whole schooling session because I told you guys I got a list. Came like a uni reading list of all these artists that I need to. Did you put us on? Yeah, send that across. When I go to the class, when I go to the class, I let you know. I let you know my top five from my dad. My dad was going. I said, "Sir, sir, it's a lot." Um, but Bob Marley's a babe. I said, "Bob Marley overall, he's a babe. Mm. I respect the man. He made great music. He is actually a legend. I agree with you. Yeah. He's actually yeah. a legend. Timeless music. Your grandkids will be bopping to Bob Marley." Some people that some people in this in this podcast be saying are legends, their children won't even be bopping. Wait, who, who do you know the legend? I'm confused. She's trying, to She's trying to get into Aubrey, but we're not going to have it right now. No, no, no. Do you know what? Actually, my opinion of Jake has changed, but we won't get to it right now. It's, it's, it's changed. You know what? I had to, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite, right? I, I think, you know what? My legend bar is very high. It's like an A star, mm. okay? Drake is an A. 
Mm. He's an A with A star potential, but he just if when it comes to the UMS, unfortunately, great. <laughs> cannot be in the A-star category. But he's definitely an A because I was listening to, you know how Spotify, oh, Spotify all day, every day, creates, um, you know, like the playlist. So I was mm-hmm. like, let me, I needed some Drake. It was a very wild time, you know, studies. I was like, oh, let me listen to some Drake. And I was like, you know what? I didn't skip past a lot of songs. <laughs> of lyrics. I was like, you know what, Drake? Yeah, I'm like, I'll give this to you. Yeah. But Legend, not yet. Okay, yeah, fine. Legend. We'll wait and see once he's finished. You know. Let's let's see when let's see when the next album drops. Let's have a let's have a Drake, yeah. a, a Drake spot like after the oh, next yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Drake can't be a legend yet, though. I mean, we'll work it out either when he passes away, passes away, or if he gets to Beyonce's days. Because Beyonce, I'll I'll give her her legendary card. I was gonna say you were arguing with me when I said Beyonce. The, the, I have some, I have some, I have some issues, but you know, I don't want to be have to execute me. I'm trying to live my life June 21st. So I'm going to just, I'm going to just leave that there. But do you know why Beyonce on some papers gets the A star? Because the whole je ne sais quoi, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Like she's yeah. more than just a singer. Do you understand? She's a, perf- I watched Beyonce and the babe performed. I saw Crit, listen, I still remember that as a grown woman and I was a child. <laughs> So that's an indication that Beyonce on many occasions gets the A star, but not consistent enough yet okay. to get Michael Jackson, Bob Marley, legend credit. But when she dies, we're probably going to have a bank holiday. <laughs> she has to, that she'll be a legend categorically. No, no, hands down, no arguments. See, look, I'm a grown woman. I can tell you my honest opinion. I just think, let's not dash out the gold stars. Wait, I get you. Let's wait, let's wait. Because I mean, everyone has one and it's meaningless. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, okay, so, so yeah, uh, Kiana, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before we go, do you want to sort of let people know what you're up to, where they can find, follow you if you want to? <laughs> thank you for having me. What am I up to? Oh, I'm just okay. doing a few things. And bobs. I'm doing a few bits and bobs. I am. I'm just out here listening to Spotify all the time. So listening to you guys. Um, but people can find me on Instagram. It's my full, my whole entire name, Kiana Williams. And I started a YouTube channel, but it's on a hiatus. So you should probably like, comment, and subscribe for what you see now. And then when I'm off my hiatus, I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna be back. I would plug my um imaginary DJ career that I really want to have. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't given birth to that baby yet. But no, nah, all seriousness, you can hit me up on the gram and there you find all my stuff. And thank you guys for having me again. Talk about the wonderful Bob. Look at me saying Bob like I know him on a first name basis. <laughs> Respect on his name. So I'm close under argument. Um, yeah, Bob Marley, an actual legend. <laughs> I would agree on. Gold star, top of the class. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thank you for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. Like I said, you're, you're like a favorite amongst our fans. I, sh- I say fans, I say I should say our listeners, because when I say fans, it kind of gasses me up. So I'll say amongst our listeners, you're, you're a favorite. So we'll definitely have you on again. Um, and yeah, so guys, thank you for listening. You can listen to Two G's in a Pod. Uh, this was the third episode of the Spotlight series, where once a month we kind of shine a light on you know, an artist, a genre, a cultural moment that we feel isn't spoken about enough and isn't getting sort of the flowers it deserves. Uh, you can catch our episodes on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. Um, we've got visuals coming on YouTube as well. Um, follow us on Instagram at 2Gs in the pod. Follow us on Twitter at 2Gs in the pod underscore. And we're going to leave you with, I think this is my favourite of Molly's song. Uh, we're going to leave you with Jamie. Jama, Jama, and I hope you like
Yeah, I'm feeling this guy, now I'm feeling myself.